Hi, and welcome to the Productized Podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, you can find the Productized Podcast from your favorite podcast player app, and you can subscribe from there. This is our show where we talk with productizers and innovators and cover the stories behind great product experiences and why it matters to innovators and makers like you. Hey, everyone. Um, welcome to Productize Podcast. My name is Andre Marquis, and I'll be your host today. For the past four years, actually, we've been doing a series of interviews with product innovators, successful makers, and entrepreneurs. And our mission is to inspire, connect, and empower more people to get into product roles and help them become better professionals. Today, we have Chris Hole, is a co-founder and chief product officer at Audus, a Chicago-based ad tech company. After 11 years as an educator, Chris wanted to minimize the chaos of disconnected ad tech tools for K-12 administrators, educators, students, and their families. Autos is the one system to teach, create, analyze, and plan. And today we're going to hear about education, ad tech technology, and lots of stuff that lots of our audience are really super excited about, at least I am. So hi, Chris, welcome. And thank you for being with us today. Um, where are you doing this podcast from today? I'm up, I'm up by uh, Chicago in Illinois in the United States, about uh, 20 miles north of Chicago. So really excited to be here. I know you were telling me before the show you're in Lisbon. Can't That's such a beautiful place. Yeah. Never been. And I on one of my bucket lists to get to. Great. I mean, we we are definitely super excited. I think um, I'm not so sh super sure if the flights between US and Europe are already uh, regular. Um, and I'm also super excited to uh, get to know Chicago. I haven't been there and it's definitely on my bucket list as well. Um, actually, the whole um, I, I've never been to, to the to the West Coast. I've been to the to the to the to Chicago. So it's definitely on my my bucket list as well. So. Um, you were a, a seventh grade um, social studies teacher for 11 years. That's quite a long time. And uh, just just as a reference for our um, our European listeners and, and here in Europe, um, that's basically the equivalent of history, geography, and political science combined, right? So it's yep. uh, it's called social studies um, in the U.S. Um, educational system and and my question is really what inspired you to to become a teacher i mean i think teaching is such an amazing opportunity to get to know kids and mm -hmm. one of the things that really can be powerful about any job right is the job you want it to be fulfilling you want to be energized by your work and when i was in college trying to figure out what i wanted to do it was not a straight path i wasn't always sure but I had the opportunity to work with kids. I was a, I played basketball in college um, and it was really fascinating to be able to work with kids, teaching them the skills of basketball, teaching them the skills. I actually would help tutor. We were giving back to the community and working with kids and helping them learn was just incredible. And the moment you have a student or a child or being able to have that eureka moment or where they learn something. And for me, the first couple were in basketball where all of a sudden they learned to do something like a crossover or they all of a sudden their shot felt better. It just was so energizing. I wanted to do more of that. And I really got into learning about helping students learn how to read, write, and think critically and independently. And being able to unlock that 
working with my seventh graders, there were moments where you'd be looking at a text or looking at something and all of a sudden you could see the the click happen. They're like, oh my God, I get it. And that was that was why I got into teaching. That's why it was such a, a pleasure to be an educator. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything that energizes more than that those moments of helping someone learn. Absolutely. Um, what happened is that in 2013, you decided to uh, co-create or co-found Autos, um, which is a student performance product. Um, what have you learned and experienced as a teacher that led you to come up with Autos? Was it, was it a re- the result of a frustration you had? Was it something you felt like an educator that was like broken and you wanted to fix that in, in the world? What, what was the drive that, that really make you do it? Yeah, I think that whenever you encounter a problem, and I mean, educators encounter problems every day. You know, I have Mm -hmm. four kids. You were mentioning you have a couple yourself. And it's the idea of like when you face a problem, when something is more difficult than it should be, you often try to find a solution. And oftentimes we think of technology as something that could be complicated or can everybody do it. But technology is a tool to help you do something better. And so what ended up happening was I was trying to help my kids learn and I had 150 students in uh, several classes, but, you know, we had classes of like 25, 30 kids, and I was struggling to be the best teacher I could with every single kid. And some kids I was really connecting with, other kids I was trying to figure out what they needed, and there was no single tool, there was no single place that allowed me to do all the things I needed to do as a teacher. How could I facilitate learning? That's like really the teaching. Like, how can I tell them activities? If I learned, you know, if one student was really into sports, how do I connect to him about sports? Somebody else was really into fashion or into math or to chess. How do you connect? And getting those connections took time and effort. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a great platform that allowed that to happen effectively, including some of the other things. You know, that's why when you uh, your introduction was great about what does Otis help you do? It helps you teach, grade, analyze, and then plan. And those are four big pain points that educators feel. And yeah. we want our tools to be able to help streamline that. That's kind of why Otis started. But for me, going back all the way to 2013 feels like a lifetime ago. Really, we were one device for every kid. So every kid in my school had a device. And what ended up happening was their information was scattered across all these different platforms. And I wanted a single place so that I could really focus on the teaching and learning. Every single kid had a device that was back in 2013, right? Yeah. Um, what what kind of device was that? A tablet? What what kind of device was that? No. That yeah. So in 2010, I helped write. Mm-hmm. I was a co-author in a grant that brought uh, iPads to each kid, and mm-hmm. so every kid had first-generation iPads. And then in right. 2013, 14, we actually switched devices, which was again sometimes they're curveballs. We actually went from iPads to Chromebooks, and so in 2014, mm-hmm. 15, we went to Chromebooks. Mm-hmm. Um, the device. Ended up not mattering. I actually, if you would have asked me back in 2010, I thought iPads or tablets um, were really going to be the device that everyone was going to use. But -hmm. what really became evident was typing on an iPad's heart. And written communication is something that really is a a struggle. And Mm -hmm. I think that it becomes important to be able to type. And so that's where really Chromebooks really did an amazing job being able to be something to be able to type on. A lot of Chromebooks now are also touchscreen so that you can really interact with the device. 
Yeah, they and, come with a, they come with a keyboard, right? Yeah, they come with a keyboard, and that really helps do what a lot of people are asking, right? If you think about so much of our life, you know, we do a lot of communication through written form, you know, mm-hmm. text messaging or you know WhatsApp. All of those things are trying to communicate, you know. And sometimes yeah. we want to get on these Zoom. Uh, this is you know restream, <laughs> but like video conferencing, I yeah. don't know. That's kind of tiring, you know. Kids will do it, and so. We need to be able to have a device that allowed all these different mediums to take place. Mm-hmm. And it, and that's really where the, the computers came in. So they were, you know, Chromebooks. And once you had a Chromebook, I had thought I was a pretty inexperienced teacher at the time. I was a little bit, um, I guess, optimistic would be a good word. And I was a little naive to think that the Chromebook alone was going to solve everything. I thought the device was going to make teaching a breeze. And really, the technology showed some of the inefficiencies and some of the problems Mm -hmm. that existed, it actually exposed what was there. And that was this disconnected system where all of a sudden there was a little bit of student information in one place and something else in another. And the biggest power, you know, I know a question you you, you posted in LinkedIn, which was really cool, is like the superpower. I I have a couple superpowers I wish I had. But one of the things that really is difficult is getting to know each kid. And I think if we all think about who our favorite teacher was, it's the it's the teacher who knew them and connected to them and knew which buttons to press. You know, if you look at an athlete, who's their favorite coach? It's typically Mm -hmm. the coach who was able to unlock something in them. You know, gets back to your first question, right? It's this idea of like what was so powerful about teaching? It's that unlocking ability, and that's what what you had this Chrome device and you had all this the you know let's say platforms and. And, and, you know, you're using something has a repository and you're using something has a grading system. And then you said, oh, man, this is such a such a cloud of things. Let me just centralize or have this unique unified system. Was that the idea that came to your mind? Was was it really the, the what was the inceptional uh, concept here? Yeah. So one of the other co-founders, his name's Andy Bloom. He's uh, mm-hmm. he's one of the, we have three co-founders. He's one of the co-founders. We were talking and he's, he's a non-educator and we were talking right. about for him, he has three boys and okay. three boys. Are, were, were, you, were you guys friends from childhood or no. how, how did you guys meet? No, <laughs> no. So what ended up happening, that's a great question because it's kind of a funny story. Mm-hmm. He was high school friends with the English teacher, which is like the reading and writing teacher who yeah. is an eighth grade reading and writing teacher. And he was trying to learn about educational technology because he's a businessman. So mm-hmm. in Chicago, in throughout the U.S., he has several companies. And he wanted to figure out what is disruptive in this space. Mm-hmm. And so he reached out to his high school friend, who is the ELA teacher in our building, and basically was asking, can you tell me about how educational technology is impacting learning? Right. And she said, I am not the person to talk to. Talk to my colleague, my friend. Chris and then my other my other colleague, which was Pete. So Pete and I are the teachers. And we ended up having this conversation. And really the the seminal moment or the aha moment was there is no comprehensive profile of students that would be the parallel for other industries of like a medical profile. Right. Or if you're like in the marketing CRM. industry, a CRM. Exactly. Right. It's the CRM all, for students. That's yeah, CRM. I mean, I don't know if that would be my marketing <laughs> slogan. I don't know if my marketing director would yeah. like that. But that's kind of what we're thinking because what often happens is this is a, a pretty – you might have a third-grade s- student. They connect amazingly well with the teacher. It's a great year. 
they mm-hmm. unlock so many things. They understand what to talk, right? Like that idea, like let's use that CRM example. That's such a great way of thinking about Otis for like non-educators. Oh, this idea of having this complete profile. Well, if all of a sudden next year there's a new teacher, or if all of a sudden I jump to yeah, a different exactly. host, you're a much better host than anybody else, but jump to a different host. If all of a sudden we had to start at square one, mm-hmm. now we're all of a sudden three, four weeks into school or 12 minutes into a conversation, if you can have that shorthand where it's like, oh, Otis is like a CRM collecting all this information around a kid, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you jumpstart the conversation, you unlock things faster. And that's really what we want to do is if we can tell you how to connect to a kid earlier, if you can say, Mm -hmm. oh, this is where the kid was, this is his interests, these are his, this is what he's passionate about, these are his goals, this is his reading level, his math level, all of this information about a kid, and you have that, now it's not taking you weeks or time to figure it out. You're getting right to the part that matters most, most, which is the connection. The connection. And that's really the great. And and the connection with your founders, your co-founders, you're still together, right? Yeah, we're all, yeah, we all work well together. You know, it was really this kind of Pete, he's still in education. Mm -hmm. So he really helps consult with Otis and he really uh, never wanted to leave the educational space. And he really does an amazing job. He works in the Northern suburbs of Chicago. He's an administrator now. He's uh, Keith uh, Westman, right? uh, Keith Westman's our uh, chief operating officer. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I can, yeah. So Pete, is an educator. Andy is a businessman. He brought all this intellectual know-how of how to start a company, how to really expand. And then we really were able to find Keith, who is our first hire. And he was part of an educational technology startup himself that really went huge. And Mm -hmm. he was a principal and he was a teacher himself. So he has an educational background too. So he really came in and he helped us build our organization. So I really am focused on the product, like the Mm -hmm. vision of what does the product need to do? How does the product need to work? And then with Keith and Andy, we've been able to really grow our company. We're over 70 people now. And then Pete helps with um, advice because he's still in the space. And we have about 40% of our staff are edu- former educators. And mm-hmm. it's really important because you need to be able to be attuned and have the pulse of what's going on. You know, the COVID, the COVID pandemic hit people really hard. Every, every aspect of life was tremendously impacted and changed. And it's been, we're not even out of it yet. And the idea is we need to know what's changing. Yeah. And um, regarding your vision for the product, is it, did it change with COVID? Is it still the same foundational vision as, you know, CRM for, for students? What's, what's your vision for the product really? Yeah. So the idea is we've got these tools. So like, again, a CRM really is able to collect the information. But one mm. of the things that we want to be is we want to be a little bit more disruptive than that. And the idea is we have the tools so that you can do the teaching and do the measuring of learning, which is our grading, so that it's collecting this really valuable understanding of kids while everything's going on. It's kind of like wearing a, a health band or a Fitbit or an app, an iWatch or a smartwatch tracking your health data. Um, so the idea is by using our tool, we're able to get these insights on kids. So I had a student and I had a visitor come to my classroom. I used Otis in my classroom for, uh, I guess it would be five plus years. And I had a visitor come and they're like, oh, what does Otis do? And they're like, Otis is school. 
And I'm like, man, is that really? But it's like, it really is. It's so really you, you just build, this you build framework. The product, you build the, the, the MVP of the product yourself? Oh, no, see, I, I always, I should clarify. I was teaching and we had a development team who built it, but I was still in the classroom. So like that alpha mm. and beta versions were used in my classroom. So when I would get feedback from people, we then released to the iOS app store. We went into the Chrome store. We then went, were a website. And all of a sudden, I could talk to teachers because the, the key is feedback. Any any product, any startup really needs to be attuned to what are the people saying about your product and having the vision of anticipating what are they going to need in the future. But being able to have the conversation of saying, oh, I used Otis in my classroom today really gave me that empathy to really unlock some really valuable feedback. So let me just understand this. And um, who's your main customer target now? Do you work directly with public schools, private schools? Um, who's buying the product? Who's making the decision inside the school? What's the, the sales cycle process? Just to understand, because we have this maybe romanticized idea that, you know, um, you go into a school and you do this digital transformation, but it must be a super hard process to to get to convince schools to actually, you know, onboard in, into a new system, lots of internal stakeholders and so on. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so we really are the, our main stakeholder. We, we uh, deal with four stakeholders, but the one who's mm -hmm. the purchaser are the admins in a district, the administrators of a district, which is either the superintendent could also be which is the head of the school district. It could also be like an assistant superintendent around curriculum, instruction, or assessment. And so we really work with them closely. And then we're brought in. And yeah, there is an implementation kind of curve where we have to help uh, teachers learn how to use the system. They then use the system with their students. And then families also get insight into what's happening. So they're another stakeholder. But the process is really, typically, we can onboard people most often at the beginning of a school year, um, they get onboarded. We have an amazing client success team really working closely. We, we believe that customer support is essential to client success. And so we provide support throughout the entire um, onboarding, the implementation, but then also through account management. And so we work with the districts to identify where do they want to start. Otis has a wide variety of tools. So some people will start with possibly the teaching I want to mm -hmm. facilitate this lesson. I want to give you a playlist of activities. Other districts might say, I want to focus and start with the assessments. Let's create some common assessments. Let's give them to all our kids, and then let's analyze the results. And so by picking the entry point, you know, we also have an entry point around data. Like, hey, give us your data. Let's analyze it. Now we can take that data, and it can impact your teaching. It can impact your common assessments. And then we have a, a new a new a new product, a new feature where it's really around progress monitoring, which we call plans, where you mm -hmm. can really monitor progress across a wide variety of skills from academic skills to behavioral to social emotional. So any of those can be an entry point. But the true power of Otis, when you connect them all, they really create this uh, infinity loop where it all of a sudden cycles back. Your analysis impacts your monitoring a progress, which impacts your teaching, which impacts what you're measuring. And then you do it all again as quickly as you can. That's really the power. But we work with admins, getting to your question. I'm a history mm -hmm. teacher. I go on these tangents like I, I'm on a soapbox. Um, but we really want to get the key stakeholders involved because it really does require a vision of what you want to achieve. Otis itself is not an initiative. 
but we can give you visibility into the goals you already have for your schools. Right. And I guess you have a, a strong American footprint. Do you have any expansion plans to other geographies? Are you planning to do have like a Portuguese, a Brazilian, Spanish version anytime soon? Or Yeah. So that's a great, man, that's a, it's like you already asked me that question and you hadn't. It's really funny because we <laughs> are expanding. Okay. We're actually um, finalizing this huge initiative to completely um, have internationalization for our products. So we will be coming up soon, have the ability to translate to multiple languages. You name it, it's all languages, but for, um, but we're really going to, that's going to help us do this expansion. We're working also uh, to expand into the China market. Mm -hmm. um, we're also going to be translating ourselves into uh, Spanish. Uh, Portuguese is also there. We actually have people who use it a little bit in Brazil. I know that's not exactly uh, Portugal, but there is Portuguese yeah. in, in and, Brazil. And they, there. They, do, they, they use the English version, right? So they're they're using the the standalone version, not yeah. The they're using package. the standalone version, and it really is something that we know that this internationalization, which is going to allow for the user to get Otis in their native language, mm -hmm. um, and that is like the framework of Otis. It's not translating what is self input. So we do have. We're used in some international schools where they're like bilingual, where maybe mm -hmm. they're learning yeah. Spanish and English yeah. so that you can see the platform in English, but you're entering information in Spanish. We'll be able to make the platform Spanish or Portuguese so that when you're inputting the information in Portuguese, it matches. Right. Because so that, the, that could the, be the really kids, helpful. They also interface with the platform. And yep. I guess most kids don't, 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 don't speak um, to a, two or more languages. So speaking about kids, um, I, as a teacher, you were you were speaking about every kid has this trigger point or I don't know superpower. So, where do you think schools and educators need the the most help to develop this each kid's roadmap? Because I think it's it's really about that, uh, as you were saying, right? It, it, each good professor kind of develops um, each kid roadmap on its own pace. Um, according to their own capabilities and, um, and, you know, superpowers or whatever you want to call them. So how, how, how are we, how are we going to help educators um, do this, right? Um, schools do this because that's such a, a hard thing to do is, is technology alone, um, a solution here, or is it something else as well? Well, I think that I think technology alone is never going to be the solution because I think that that connection, I think, is really paramount to what's taking place. And so if you want to unlock a kid's superpower, there has to be guidance by someone in um, yeah. this idea that a kid alone is going to unlock their own superpower, I think is, is a little misguided. I think that everyone needs that guide, that mentor to help them find it and unlock it because We're going to come to an obstacle. I've come to obstacles where it's like, I don't know what to do. I need that community around me. And that community could be a lot of different things. Like it could be homeschool. It could be something like a school district. It could be um, in an international school. But you need that community to be able to unlock these things because I don't think any single individual is going to be able to unlock every obstacle that's in their place. And I think what's really important for education is that we're able to monitor the progress being made 
And when all of a sudden you hit a plateau or you hit an obstacle or you hit a, you know, hit a problem, we want to be able to identify that quickly. Because if all of a sudden you're like trying to figure something out and you can't, and you're like banging your head against the wall, trying to break through, that can be really discouraging. And one of the things that I think has happened from the pandemic, we have a lot of students, a lot of, a lot of kids who are not feeling engaged with learning. Yeah. They feel they feel a struggle. They feel these obstacles. They didn't feel the sense of community. And I think that really is something that we have to be able to do. We have to be able to address the, the impact of the pandemic, but we also have to be able to re-engage them into the learning process. Mm-hmm. And I think that to be able to unlock each kid's superpower, again, I, I really like movies around superpowers. I wish I had some, you know, I wish I could read minds or fly. Um, but the idea here is, each kid wants a different superpower, right? That's one of the best parts about the question, right? Because it's a unique answer. We need to be able to unlock each kid's desires and goals and put them on a path that's going to excite them and help guide them in a path that's leading forward to a good place, but not a place that we define, but that they can define themselves by preparing them with the skills that they need to achieve it. Yeah, absolutely. And and your colleague, um Keith uh, Westman, he wrote an article on Medium uh, a couple of years ago about what Silicon Valley needs to know about K-12. My question to you is, what do you think everyone needs to know about K-12? And do you see any misconceptions and something that people probably get wrong, but you as an insider in the industry probably want to, you know, want people to know about? Yeah, I think that one of the the big things that I think Silicon Valley and others get wrong is that mm-hmm. there is a neat box that you can implement everywhere. The implementation of education is not going to work identically in every single school. It's not going to work identically for every single kid. I don't think there is a single, oh, here's a pre-boxed answer for everybody. And one of the things that we've built into Otis is this idea of individualization or personalization. And it's not going to be like, everything's personalized, but there has to be some flexibility into what's happening. And I think that sometimes we want something that is completely prepackaged. And if we look at like Amazon is an amazing company, but they provide you this very, they standardize the process for how they're going to deliver something, right? And that standardization allows for them to be very efficient and effective in, in scales that are absolutely incredible. And I think that to think you can do that the same thing for a kid is learning is just impossible. You know, you need to be able to provide the framework, you need to be able to provide the guidance and the structure, but you need to be able to tailor what is happening for them. And the idea is one kid might need uh, I, again I, I taught for 11 years and the idea was like some kids needed you to have this empathy and to relate from mm-hmm. day one. That's yeah. what they needed first. Other kids came in and they were raring to go. They were like, let me go. I'm on my own. I'm racing. Just let me go and run. But then they would maybe all of a sudden a month or two in, then they would need help. And it's like, when does someone need that conversation? When does that person all of a sudden need, hey, let's have a one-on-one chat. Let's like look at your writing. Let's look at your reading. And I think- uh, yeah. How, how do you guys implement that on the platform? How do you a- access uh, student performance and how do you apply that into the platform? Is that something that um, can can just gu- guide me through that? Yeah, no, I think so. That, that That's a perfect question for what I was kind of getting at. And mm-hmm. it's understanding that these common assessments, if we have 
assessments that take two, three hours that are like standardized and do it like, yeah, those are good benchmarks. Occasionally, Mm -hmm. we need the ability of the platform to, Hey, here's like a three question quiz, or here's a, here's a blog post. Tell me what you learned today Mm -hmm. by giving these various options for how you're going to measure learning from projects to student writing. We give the flexibility. It's almost like, Oh, what's in my toolkit today? You know, if I go to a store and I'm like, oh, I need to do a home improvement project. Oh, which which one do I need? Okay, I'm going to talk to someone. They're going to walk me through it. And now I'm going to be able to do it. So Otis as a platform gives these tools to a teacher and they give the ability to have the help of your colleagues. Like, oh, I'm I'm a colleague of yours, Andre. And it's like, oh, here, here's an assessment I use, use it. Or here's a project I use, use it. That really, that that community for educators and the ability to give an assessment, measure learning quickly, efficiently, effectively without leaving to a different system, a different platform can really help unlock it. So it's it's really about giving the toolkit to the teachers so that they can um, enact what's needed as they go, but also give the teachers, mentors, and people helping them, the administrators, having the same tools, giving the visibility in like, oh, wow, I noticed that Chris Hull's classroom hasn't measured this really important skill in mm-hmm. a month, I'm right. gonna have a comment. Hey, let's let's we got to have that going on. So it really that visibility is not like a you're being seen all, all the time, but it's like hey, we're in this together, getting all the stakeholders to have coach, the same. As a teacher, you can be coach. You can help to become a better teacher. Um, you know, one of one of the things you know, the product is is I don't know seven eight years old now, and my 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 question comes in my mind is how have your objectives and goals changed over time? As you learn more about you and had all this feedback from the um, teachers and, you know, the, the stakeholders on, on the, the system. And what's your current product team, uh, North Star? Because we, we're always talking about North Stars in product. So uh, I'm, I'm really, really curious uh, what the North Star for an ad tech product like this would be. Yeah, so... Our North Star stayed pretty consistent. I think we've gotten better at articulating it and mm-hmm. this idea of being able to have this comprehensive understanding of a single student or multiple students so that you can maximize their learning. And this idea of like the four pain points of teach, grade, analyze, and plan. Mm-hmm. But really what's been fascinating to watch is how that happens. Like, oh, how do I teach a kid? Like, what do I need? Well, you kind of asked earlier, like, did the pandemic change things? Well, it didn't change the fact that we had an LMS that could be done remotely, you know, or, you know, being out of, you know, this normal school setting. But there were small changes and tweaks where in the past, this example kind of resonates with me, which is the idea of I would, we used to have st- uh, teachers, hey, Aja, here, do these three readings and then watch this video. Mm-hmm. And then, after we're going to talk, you're going to talk to your, you know, your your neighbor who's sitting next to you. And then we're going to do a project around what we just talked about. Right. I would do that transitioning myself because I was in the classroom. I was like mm-hmm. orchestrating it. Well, the pandemic meant that it was a lot more asynchronous where it's like I needed to be able to say, here are the readings, here's the material and the project all in this fell swoop with the context building and the transitions not being delivered by me verbally in Mm -hmm. person, but now being done kind of, again, asynchronously, that type of like slight change really was eye-opening for us. And there were other things where our new product, our new product, which is plans, 
really was this understanding that our teaching and grading piece was very class specific. Hey, I'm in a history class or I'm in a reading class. And it's kind of like you're in your own world. You're in your own classroom. What we found through conversations is, well, not it's not always one teacher working in isolation. Sometimes we are all trying to work on something together. So we need something, we call it a plan. We need a plan that stretches across all classes. And sometimes the plan is not going to be something that can be done in a single school year. We want it to carry on. So we have a reading plan for you. We're going to start it in second grade Mm -hmm. with your second grade teacher, but also the librarian and also the physical education teacher. And then when you go to third grade, it's going to, that plan is going to stay with you. And that really was something where we had these tools and the part of the plans that are being fed in have been inspired by the rest. But that like detail really was the realization that we need something that works in a situation that is, you know, that has changed. So our North Star still is this idea of efficiency mm-hmm. around teaching, grading, analyzing, and planning. Mm-hmm. But being able to articulate that has become much more clear because some of the de- the details matter. The details matter. So is that uh, how much time teachers spend, um, let's say, grading? Or how, how do you measure that in, in a quantifiable way? Yeah, we want to make we want to make them more efficient in each part. So like, hey, can we make grading more efficient? So that, in, like, again, I had 150 kids. If I spent five minutes on right. each kid's thing, well, that's all of a sudden 750 minutes. Like, well, if all of a sudden I can make it three minutes, or if all of a sudden part of it can be graded for me, all of a sudden that 750 minutes, instead of using it to grade, now I can use it to plan of, oh man, these 30 kids didn't understand this concept, I need to do a new unit for them to reteach it. Well, now I can spend, let's say I save, you know, I said three minutes for 150. Well, if I save two minutes, right? I save two minutes. If I now have two hours to plan this unit, well, now think about how much I'm actually impacting kids. You know, there was an interesting article where if we spend too much time, you know, on this administrative task, we don't have the time to that connection piece. And we want to be that efficiency driver because educators already have a tough job and managing, having to go into five different systems. Well, even if you just have to log in, well, that's five minutes right there. And if you have to do that for multiple kids, it it just adds up. Time is so precious for everybody. Absolutely. So how how do you see this relationship between educators and ad tech entrepreneurs? Because we're speaking about this um, chasm between Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and educators. How, how do you make it smaller? How do we cross the chasm between these two realities, so to say? Is it having people like you that actually are educators and ed tech themselves uh, entrepreneurs, or um, is there anything else in your opinion? I think it's really important to have a collaboration. And I think there are things that educators have to learn from Silicon Valley. And there are mm-hmm. things that, you know, I've learned from just like how things are done when I was, so there was a while I was doing both teaching and Otis. And there were things that I brought from my understanding of like, wow, this is how technology companies do it. Mm-hmm. This idea of like a one-on-one. one-on-one. Okay. We're going to have like a one-on-one, like let's talk about your status and your progress and your performance and your goals. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. 
I then started doing that with my kids and we would make them more formal and we'd have this stuff. And it's like, oh, wow, that's like a really good idea. I also instituted for my classrooms where when we were in the midst of group projects, Mm -hmm. we did stand-ups, right? Where it's Mm -hmm. like at the beginning of class, you know, we'd like have this bell ringer, we'd have this like opening. And then I implemented this idea of, hey, each group, take a moment and then like share with the class where you're at with me. And maybe we can problem solve something, like maybe something comes up. And that idea of a one-on-one became, sorry, one-on-one, but then the idea of the stand-ups really, became yeah. so effective. I was like, man, an educator can learn from that. Like this idea of like running things in an agile approach can be really mm-hmm. beneficial. So your question though, about how can Silicon Valley, it's the understanding that the product and Silicon Valley often knows this, right? The idea is like, you need a product owner. You need a voice of the customer. Like we have these terms out there, but the idea is you have to understand, like I stopped teaching in 2018 in order for me to really have a voice of a customer. I, I don't have it anymore. I did not teach during the pandemic. I, my four kids learned during the pandemic, but the idea is, how does that really work? So you have to be constantly having those avenues of conversation open. And so it's got to become this collaboration where it's not just, I, I, I actually sometimes internally, when I talk to people at Otis, the word ed tech really sometimes gets to me because I feel like we're shortchanging education and we're shortchanging technology, right? Like we want to be education technology. We don't want to shortchange either one. Both have amazing things to bring to the table. And when we really allow the technologists to own their you know, domain, but we collaborate with educators, I think that's where you can really you know, achieve something that's worthwhile. Yeah. Um, there was this project in Silicon Valley, the school, and they were trying to reinvent everything from scratch. They, they kind of ended up pivoting because they started as a school, they expanded as a school, then they realized the economics of, of being a school really sucks. So they, they, they became a toolmaker. So I guess um, in a way a competitor to you guys, but, um, you know, arguably education was forced, like you were speaking about the, the whole COVID challenge, right? And education was forced to change more in the last year or so than in maybe in the past 50 years, right? Yeah. My kids, they went on Zoom and I have like three kids. So from six to 12, all, all of these three kids were doing Zoom classes uh, for, you know, I don't know, months and months. So how do you see the future of EdTech taking stock of what we have learned, hopefully from, from last year or so? And what are the biggest trends and disruptors you you actually see materializing in this space in the next five years. Stuff that some people might think is science fiction or, or not. I don't know. Lots of people speak about VR or whatever it is. But do you, do, what, do you, what do you actually see, think is tangible enough that it, it's going to materialize in the next five years? Yeah, I think some of the things that are happening in other spaces are going to kind of impact education. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we always have this idea of, you know, machine learning or AI. I think that we're going to see AI and machine learning become a teaching assistant to a teacher. And the idea Mm -hmm. is a teacher has all these things they have to do. We talked about grading. Well, if all of a sudden you could have machine learning help you see insights that you might have missed, Um, if you could all of a sudden have the ability to have a teaching assistant do some of that clerical administrative work. Yeah. I think that's where you're going to see some huge, huge strides. I think so that, you're, you're, you're strong on machine learning. You're strong on AI coming into the 
I think as a, as an aid to the teacher, I really mm-hmm. think we're going to begin to see that, right? Like I, I think I'm using like a really silly example, but the idea is like if you're in Google Docs um, and all of a sudden you begin to type or in Gmail, it's beginning to be able to predict what you're going to type next, right? That's yeah, like small, absolutely. it's little, but it's like this idea of it. It's like a small aid. You still want to check it, but it saves you a little bit of time. I think we're going to see progress towards this idea of we're going to be able to aid in some of this this work. And, you know, I think possibly, you know, one of the schools does, this isn't even machine learning, but like attendance is done, you know, not by the teacher calling out a roll call. It's about like a check-in of the kid, right? The card gets checked in. It gets, you know, there are little things like that where you're going to see these technologies take away all of this, the administrative tasks. I I said that I think four times, but we're then going to get to the skill building, right? I don't think you're going to be able, like, you know, you say of three kids, like you're a 12 year old. It's like, okay, how do we really dive into some informational reading and writing? Like that needs like the connection with the teacher needs guiding, but do we really need to track, you know, his, like some of the absences and stuff like that? I think that will be pushed off to where we're going to be able to empower the teachers and the, the, the educators with this information. But I also think what's going to happen is I think that stakeholders like families, like yourself, with technology are going to have a better understanding of what's happening with your kids. And I think we might've went a little too far during the pandemic. I know with my kids on zoom, like I heard a little bit too much of the classroom conversation, but I think that, you know, something like Otis, you know, we often say like, well, what, if you ask your 12 year old, what did you learn in school today? He's going to be like stuff or I don't know, or yeah, I don't know. Nothing. It's usually my, my, my typical answer. Like, whatever, (laughs) something, (laughs) something, nothing. It was boring. It's like, I think that there's going to be, because of these digital platforms like Otis, I think you're going to be able to, like, again, if your son was on Otis, you'd be able to see, oh, I saw you at a lesson on, you know, the history of Portugal, or I saw Mm. that you had a, you know, a lesson on, you know, Shakespeare. And it's like, oh, now you can have a conversation. Like, oh, I noticed you just finished the book. Um, Right. You know, yeah, it's it's like, oh, for parents, they always kind of go back and forth asking, and we, we really never really know uh, what they're, you know, what they're doing at a certain time. So even to help them, it's hard because it's not, are you doing this on history? Is it, did you, you know, are you past this point? Are you pre this point? So, yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to do like uh, maybe last question here, which is, do you believe that uh, K-12 education can be productized to a certain extent, especially for older ages? I'm not speaking, you know, 12-year-olds, but maybe, you know, for the last three or four years of uh, high school. When I, say, when I say productize is, you know, going more asynchronous, on-demand video um, without having so much reliance on uh, FaceTime with, with a teacher. So I, I'm, I'm thinking that up until about 16 years old, maybe 18, I really mm-hmm. think that community is going to be so important. And I think that what really was evident for me, and I'd be curious to others is this idea of, you know, I think you really do need that connection with your teacher. Now, again, I think a lot of that fell to the parents You know, I know homeschooling became really something that just was done, but the idea was, just saying, watch this video, teach yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't think that works for every kid. I think some kids are able to do it. I have a, a niece and a nephew and, you know, it's possible. But I really think that you need that connection. You need that accountability. You need that guide. You need that mentor. You know, we always talk about, 
you know, you've mentioned the superheroes, you know, a superhero's journey is typically met with a guide, right? The superhero is not on their own. They need somebody to help them unlock it. And I think, I think in the K-12 space, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade, you know, that's like five through 18. I really think it's going to be hard to completely productize it. I think it's going to require a connection to someone to help be that guide. I think once you get to 16, 17, 18, and in the college range, like, like, you know, 19, 20, yeah, I think it's possible there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those things where we have to find that balance. I think that it can be done in part at the younger kids, like your 12 year old, he could do, he could probably do a day of it. You know, it's like here mm-hmm. or there, or like, you know, when I would teach, it's not like I was directly instructing every day. I didn't do that often at all, but the idea was, okay, watch this video five, 10 minutes. Now let's have a conversation. Right. And I think sometimes those conversations on zoom are hard or, you know, a video thing. It's like, are you getting the full body language? Are you getting all of these things? Like I, I do presentations and it's reading a virtual room is really difficult. Yeah. And I think that in order to really connect to kids, you have to be able to read them really well. And I think that's just really hard to do um, virtually. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, other than education, uh, I see you have some passion for superheroes, but what kind of passions and projects are you having right now? Yeah, so I really enjoy sports. I'm a big uh, sports fan. I play basketball in my old man age. I I try to get up and down the court a little bit. Um, I also really enjoy, you know, this is, you know, I enjoy beer. I like like to try different beer. I don't always get to travel the world. Um, I've been to a couple places. I've been fortunate enough to travel some. But the way I really try to experience stuff is like, let me try, let me try a good beer from anywhere. Um, it gives me a snapshot into different areas and it's like a great way. I think there's very little better than having a conversation over a beer. I just think it's a nice relaxing way to get to know people, catch up with people. And, um, yeah, I like to read, but I, I really like, and I, I'm very obsessed with my kids. My kids are very young. I got a, mm-hmm. a twin three-year-olds, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. So I do a lot with them, uh, teaching them sports, teaching them how to read. Uh, I watch a lot of movies, as you said, superheroes. I can go, if it's a kid superhero movie, I, I probably can probably talk about it. Great. Yeah, I can relate to that as well. Um, so look, I think this was a great conversation. Um, we don't have any uh, specific um, questions right now. So um, what I'm going to maybe um, do is um, tell, um, you know, wrap it up. And um, I think we're good. Is there anything you want to add to this podcast? No, if anybody's interested in learning more about Otis, it's uh, www.otis.com, mm-hmm. O-T-U-S.com. And that's really where you can a lot uh, learn anything about Otis. But I really appreciate the opportunity to come on the podcast today and talk. And I really appreciate the conversation. It was really fun to kind of learn a little bit about you before and have this conversation here today. Great. So um, that is Chris um, Hull from uh, co-founder and chief product officer at Hodas. And we are, um, we are productized podcast. We'll be coming uh, back very, very, very soon. And it was really a pleasure to have you with us as well, Chris. This, this, I mean, I, I 
I'm one of those those guys that um, that says that education is going to save the world. So um, it was really really uh, interesting perspective um, to to see from someone that is actually developing technology to to do that. Um, so thank you so much for for having the time to to speak with us. Thank you very much. <laughs>